Jazz game night post game show here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson with you. The Jazz beat up on the Warriors tonight, 122 to 108. Post game brought to you by both Mark Miller Subaru locations. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Ben, the, the Jazz made light work of the Warriors. Not quite enough where they, they saved their starters uh, some minutes, but still, this one was at comfortable length most of the night. Yeah, you know, red hot start from D'Angelo Russell. He had 18 points after the first quarter. It was 34-30. The Jazz had the lead. And you just kind of knew that there was no way he was going to keep that up. Otherwise, I mean, we were going to look at truly a historic night. I mean, he was just not going to go. I know he went for 52 the other night. That was also in a loss. You can let him do that. A- unless he honestly went for 70 and just went did something absolutely insane, the Warriors had no shot in this game. And that's exactly what the Jazz want to be doing. You want teams to know at halftime that the game is over. And Quinn still played his guys late because the Warriors hung around. It was kind of 13 points, 11 points, 15 points. It bounced around, but really for the most part. I mean, the Jazz ended this game. It was 15 at the half. I don't think it ever got back into single digits before the end of the game. Uh, and that, that's great. To hold a team to a double-digit deficit for an entire second half. I mean, not to sound cliche, but the game truly is a game of runs. You're going to accidentally give up seven points in a row, and the Jazz clearly didn't do that at any point because they were able to keep them, uh, keep them at bay. Jazz led by Rudy Gobert tonight, 11 of 12 from the field. How about that? Uh, 25 points, 14 rebounds to go along with two block shots, and actually he struggled at the line tonight, Ben. He was three of nine. If he just shot his normal, you know, 65-ish percent, I mean, he could have added uh, there too, certainly. But It's kind of been an issue. Other than that Phoenix Suns game where he won it going 11 of 12 he, right. he's, he's struggled this year shooting the ball which is is too bad I was talking to Coach Chiesa about that the other day and he kind of had hopes that Rudy might get to 70% from the line this year which would be amazing but He's not off to uh, the quickest start uh, on that front. Donovan Mitchell tonight, terrific, 23 points. Uh, Mike Conley with uh, 22 and 7 assists. But uh, this this was by far, I thought, Rudy's best game offensively. And maybe that's, you know, a little bit, well, a lot of bit who they're playing against. But, you know, considering he's shown a little bit of frustration uh, offensively early on this year, that's, that's, a, that's a big night for him. Rudy should be smiling. Yeah, his season high before this tonight was just 15 points uh, earlier this year. So to come out and get to... 25. And we talked about it on the pregame show, Jake. I and mean, we said he's going to come out here. He knows who he's going against. He knows Draymond Green has a Defensive Player of the Year award and has, has trashed Rudy in the past for his emotions about making an all-star game. So Gobert wanted to come out and make a point. He knows it. Teams want to embarrass this Warriors team, too. Yep. Th- that's going to be the case all year because they know what happened. They know what it's been like on the wrong side of those Warriors blowouts. Every team in the NBA, I'm sure, over the last five years has at least one 20-point loss to the Warriors. I mean, maybe it's 15, but every team in the last few years has gotten absolutely rolled by the Warriors. So so teams want to come back and exact some revenge against Steve Kerr and what those lineups did, and the Jazz did that tonight with a 14-point victory. All right, with that, we will say goodnight to our network stations. Our next broadcast will be tomorrow. Back-to-back for the Jazz. They're coming back here to Salt Lake City to take on the Brooklyn Nets. The game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage with Ben Anderson and myself tomorrow begins at 6. For those of you sticking around with us, we'll have sound from the podium and the locker room and we'll continue to break down this win for the Jazz 122 to 108 over the Golden State Warriors right here on the Jazz Radio Network. That'll do it. 
This has been Utah Jazz Basketball on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. Utah Jazz Basketball is brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller Lexus and Murray. And Lexus of Linden. By Zions Bank. For a noteworthy approach to banking, Zions Bank is for you. And by your Utah Toyota dealers. For all the latest jazz interviews, insights, and breaking news, go to 1280thezone.com and utahjazz.com. Ow! This is Utah Jazz Basketball on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. That'll do it. The game may be over, but our coverage of Utah Jazz Basketball is just beginning. That kid is on fire on catch and shoot threes right now. This is Utah Jazz Game Night Post Game Show. Dante drives in and out and bounces to Gobert, and he rocks the pass Presented by both Mark Miller Subaru locations. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Now, it's time for a complete wrap of tonight's Utah Jazz game on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. 122 to 108 is your final Jazz Game Night post game show right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson with you. Uh, let's get to your sharp stats of the game brought to you by the Les Olson Company. Les Olson Company, your office technology partner. The Jazz tonight shot 49.4% from the field, going 40 of 81. 16 of 35 from three, 45.7%. We mentioned they were led by Rudy Gobert's 25 points. Donovan Mitchell added 23. Mike Conley, 22. Uh, Bogdanovich had 12. Jeff Green with 12 points coming in off the bench. Joe Ingles with 11 points and 7 assists coming in off the bench. Should mention that uh, Conley had 7 assists as well uh, and Donovan Mitchell had 6 assists and Ben uh, Mike Conley with 0 turnovers. Donovan Mitchell with 2 but considering he had 8 the other night that's a a step in the right direction. I I didn't believe you when you said the the Jazz shooting percentage was under 50% because we were talking about how efficient efficient everybody was. It was Boyan Bogdanovich just 4 of 15 tonight. He brought the averages down for everybody Otherwise, I mean, really, for the most part, almost nobody was under 50%. Tony Bradley only took three shots, made just one. Ingles took eight shots, made only three, and, and Donovan Mitchell was 7 of 17. But, I mean, Gobert was mega efficient at 11 of 12. Conley was over 50%, 6 of 11. Jeff Green actually had probably his best night so far the regular yeah. season. Had 12 points, 2 of 6 from the three-point line, and was just kind of casually keeping the lead for the Jazz, which is a, it, it's not a bad role for, for nope. Jeff Green. Just come off the bench, give us enough scoring where you don't have to play hard defense in the fourth quarter. And I don't think the Jazz ever had to, you know, buckle down defensively no. on any stretches. And that's good because I think that's really where you get tired. Well, and I, I think you're totally right about the bench unit for the Jazz. I, I think they have some talented players uh, and, and some, some guys that know their role. But I, scoring is going to be an issue for that bunch, uh, I think, through coming, you know, throughout the year. Certainly Emmanuel Moutier doing what he's doing uh, helps a lot. But I, I think that's the main motivation for bringing Joe Ingles off the bench is because you're going to need somebody to, to not only score when they're open but also facilitate some things so uh if jeff green can give you 12 i mean you're loving that uh uh you're you're absolutely loving that all right let's uh, go back to san francisco where coach quinn snyder is standing by at the podium and you know they're a tough team to play it's um they're obviously dealing with a lot of injuries and um to come in here and get a win is a really good win Speaking of playing more connected, we saw Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley there with the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. What did you see? It seems like they're starting to get that connectivity even more and more. Yeah, you know, sometimes the way the teams play you, it's more difficult. Um, but more than anything, it just takes time, you know. And um, 
in, in any facet of life, you know, when you're new to something, and those things to get to be instinctive. And, you know, they've played, what, 10 games together? So um, something like that. I don't keep track of them right now because they're coming so fast. We've got one tomorrow night. One of the messages at shoot-around was for Rudy to get out and run. What did you like about his focus and effort in that area tonight? Well, when he does that, you know, it, it gives us an opportunity to, to, you know, kind of stretch the floor and flatten the defense, and it opens up things for other people. And it's um, it's a habit, and particularly when, when he doesn't get a rebound, that's when we really want him to run. All right, thank you so much, Coach. Chris, thank you. All right, there you go. That was uh, Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. You know, I think everybody's got a plane to catch. I know, yeah. Coach clearly, was, he was out, and our, our uh, friend Derek was saying, "All right, coach, we got to get you. We got to right. get you on this plane." <laughs> yeah, and it's true. I mean, it, it's eleven fifteen. We heard uh, Lock and Moon talking about it that their plane's not going to hit the ground until two, probably not home and yeah. in bed until three. And Is it eight thirty? I mean, come on, NBA. You schedule an 8.30 game? I mean, that's late even for a Warriors game. Right. Go to 7 o'clock East Coast time and tip it off at 8, but, you know, our time. But 8.30, yeah, and a non-national game. Maybe it was at some point and they pulled the plug, but they don't do national games really on Monday unless it's NBA TV. So uh, weird scheduling for the Jazz to have a second night of a back-to-back. That's tough. The NBA has gotten a lot better with the scheduling and, and moving the, the season uh, to start earlier and those things have, have helped. And I, I love the longer break around the All-Star break, but it's just not, it's not perfect quite yet. They, they could think of these things a little bit. But that's a, I mean, that's a tough turnaround, and the Brooklyn Nets didn't play tonight. And that's why I think the Jazz starters having to stay out there a little bit longer. I mean, you know, we're splitting hairs a little bit, Ben. We're talking about a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there. I mean, it's not gonna, they're not going to teleport back to no. Salt Lake, and it's going to make all the difference. But, you know, you think if they could have, uh, you know, rested for maybe a quarter, it wouldn't have made a difference. Because, you know, Brooklyn and, and Locke talked about this a little bit. I mean, they're, they're certainly not a defensive juggernaut, but it's still Kyrie Irving that you have to deal with, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Lavert. I think is a very good player. I mean, uh, Brooklyn's certainly a very capable team that you're going to need, you know, as much as you can get energy-wise to to beat. Kyrie's a superstar. Joe Harris is, a you know, one of the best shooters in the NBA. And you're right, Dinwiddie can go off on any night and Karis LeVert can go off on any night. So any rest would have been good, but, you know, it is the NBA and you get these teams on the second night of a back-to-back and, and the, the Nets are lucky enough to get the Jazz tomorrow and the Jazz will get another team somewhere down the line and, and, and get a victory out of it. So, but, but the, the Jazz didn't have to play that hard tonight. I mean, this was one of the, the, the games I think Jake, you and I talked about before the season started that you're going to have to win some firefights that you haven't won in the past. You used to have to win a lot of games 106 to 98, right. you know, and you're winning it at the free throw line late in the game. And just it, there were some free throws late. There was a lot of calls, but that's because the game just got a little hairy and a bunch of technical fouls were being handed out. This game was never hard for the Jazz. Right. I mean, other than, again, a couple of tough fouls, the, the Jazz didn't really have to say, all right, we need a great six-minute stretch here. I mean, the Warriors gave them a great 24-minute stretch in the second quarter and the third quarter, and then it was just stay alive, keep your head above water, run your plays, and you're going to run them out of the gym, and that's exactly what happened. This was a firefight for the Jazz that they had to win. Just score enough points, and the Warriors won't be able to catch you. And that's exactly what the Jazz did. Yeah, I'll make open shots and get to the rim because they're not going to give a lot of resistance. But you, you, you're 100% right. The, the the difference between a game like tonight and what we saw for the most part last night is, or excuse me, last year is just totally, totally different from a capability standpoint. And I, I think you're right on the money. This was more like a coast victory maybe than the final score would, would make it seem. I mean, it wasn't a 30-point blowout, but it wasn't like the Jazz really had to grind their way to a victory either. And, and that's... 
good for the Jazz. I mean, you, you have to be able to win in a lot of different ways, and there's a lot of nights in the NBA when you have to be able to win with your offense, and it's just difficult to have to play really good defense 82 times a year. It's great if you can play it 70 times a year or 65 times a year and then have good enough offense against these teams. And this is a bad Warriors team. I mean, they're designed to be bad. They want to be bad. They want to win 25 games this year and get a top five pick to, to throw with Steph and Clay when they come back next season. And if they can do that, that's mission accomplished this year. But that means they also have to lose 57 games off the top of my head and, and this was one of them and this is what they wanted and the Jazz gave it to them they want our boy Nico Mannion to be uh, <laughs> next to uh, next to Steph Curry next year uh, let's take a look at your points in the paint brought to you by Serta Pro Painters call 1-800-GO-SERTA or visit SertaPro.com that's Serta with a C we do painting you do life uh, points in the paint tonight Ben the Jazz outscore the Warriors but maybe not uh, as much as you might think 46 to 42 I mm. thought that that, num- that spread would be greater especially after Locke told us they only took four mid-range jump shots tonight I thought that they would have uh, uh, I thought it would have been a little higher than that well and because it looked like every shot in the first three quarters was a jump shot from the uh, from the Warriors I mean they just were not caring about getting into the paint I wonder how many of those were fourth quarter points where they were able to get a little bit more efficient they did end up scoring I mean they only scored 23 points. They had their worst scoring quarter in the fourth. That's amazing. That is amazing. That's amazing. I, I would have told you it was the exact opposite. Yep. I would have thought they would have put up some points in the fourth quarter. Apparently, they just scored 23. They had 31 in the third, 24 in the second, and 30 in the first. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a tough basketball team to watch. But nobody has sympathy for the Warriors right now. No. Well, and maybe that fourth quarter just felt so disjointed because yeah. of all the whistles and all the yeah. things going on. And, and we were chatting about this while we were watching it. But, I mean, Draymond, the game wasn't over when Draymond Green got himself no. thrown out. And and really, that led to a four-point swing. And all of a sudden, instead of being down you know, 13, you're down 17. And all of a sudden, Draymond Green isn't there to help. I mean, it was such a selfish... And maybe we shouldn't be surprised coming from somebody like Draymond Green, but that was such a selfish move. He could have gotten his technical foul, his point would have been made, and he could have moved on with his life. Or even, you know what, barked for a second and then figured it out. I mean, because Matt Harping on the TV broadcast was making the argument that Draymond had a point. And maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't. But it certainly wasn't the most egregious thing I've ever seen in my life. And, And he gets himself thrown out before the game's even over. I mean... Yeah. Just... Okay, foul calls tonight. Jazz only had 16, which is a really low number. Only 16 fouls for the Jazz. But... The, the Warriors had 24. So there was 40 foul calls tonight. Let's say 10% of them were bad. That's four, that's four calls. That's not bad. That's not bad. Nope. That's okay. Draymond Green, you can't get thrown out because there was one bad foul call against you. There's bad foul calls every quarter of every NBA game. That cannot allow you to, you know, uh, b- blow your lid and just go nuts and just lose it like he did. And he ended up getting tossed out, and Steve Kerr tried to get tossed out as well. And I do love that the refs just said, you're not leaving this game. You're staying. We've got to be here. <laughs> you're not going to pay $5,000, whatever it is, for a technical foul and get to go home and, and get in bed early because we've got to be here too, and you're going to sit and watch it with us. Now, who who got the other technical foul uh, for the phantom kickball? Was that Poole? I think it was Jordan Poole. I, I think it was Poole too. Now, he had a point. Yeah, that was awful. Because that was one of the most ludicrous missed calls or, I guess, calls phantom calls yeah. that I've, uh, I've seen in a while. But, but. then again, uh, w- when we saw uh, for the Jazz uh, – Royce O'Neal get teed up. I mean, that was a bad call. Yep. 
because uh, Willie Colley Stein absolutely threw a hip onto him and kind of a dangerous play. When you think of how high Willie Colley Stein's hips are compared to Mike Con or compared to uh, Royce O'Neill, and threw it right into his side and, and clearly hurt Royce late. You know, kind of chipped him pretty bad late, and he got teed up. So th- there was bad calls on both sides. And now Royce didn't go to the locker room. They just put him on the end of the bench and gave him some ice, yeah. and you hope that that's just going to be a bruise and he's going to be all right. But you know who's going to be really sore tomorrow? Royce O'Neal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jazz could have a couple of those. I mean, Rudy Gobert rolled his ankle yep. or in the first half, and then you saw Boyan Bogdanovich. Scary instantly. It looked like a dislocated shoulder right away, but sounds like it, I mean, it looks like it just got slapped hard. We'll have to see what his report is tomorrow if he shoots around with the team and, and how he's going. But yeah, a couple of scary moments for the Jazz, but everyone escaped unscathed, it seems. All right, the Jazz win. You win. The day after every Jazz win, Homer away. Little Caesars is giving you free pizza. Order one custom round multi-topping pizza through the Little Caesars app, and you'll receive a free, large, extra most bestest pepperoni pizza using the promo code UTAHJAZZ. Valid at all participating Utah Little Caesars locations. Mobile orders only. Stay tuned. We'll have more Jazz Game Night postgame show coming up next. Jazz beat the Warriors tonight, 122-108, to right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz Game Night postgame show brought to you by both Mark Miller Subaru locations. Your final tonight, the Jazz beat the Warriors 122-108. to Jake Scott, Ben Anderson of KSL Sports with you. Let's take a look at your assist feature sponsored by Larry H. Miller Dealerships throughout the Utah Jazz season. Larry H. Miller Dealerships donating $50 for each assist to Larry H. Miller Charities. We are driven by you tonight, Ben. How about this for a number? 30 assists tonight for the Utah Jazz on 40 made field goals. Well, there was a point in the second quarter where the Warriors came out and tried to play a zone. And it was funny yeah. because you had you did kind of see what makes Draymond Green awesome, where he was sitting there like a middle linebacker at the nail right at the free throw line and was directing traffic and pointing everything out and, and honestly looking like he was going up against a football offense and saying, this is where the ball's going. And then the Jazz passed it three times and Rudy Gobert got a wide open dunk with two seconds left on the clock, which should never happen. Right. Wide open dunks should happen in the first three seconds of a shot clock on a fast break. Otherwise, they should never happen in a, in a, a shot clock situation. Two seconds left. Rudy Gobert was wide open underneath the basket because they had just been running around chasing teams, uh, chasing the Jazz, trying to play his own defense. And Rudy Gobert just found himself sitting at the end of the clock waiting for the jam. So that they, they, they stopped playing after that. They stopped playing the zone. <laughs> Understandably so. But, man, you just you do that to try and force teams from – prevent teams from getting easy shots in the paint. Right. And then if they can hit threes, they kill you. And Donovan Mitchell and, and Mike Conley both hit threes tonight. And, and they were doing it because they were just passing the ball around the perimeter until somebody was wide open. And they were wide open a lot of the night. You know what's funny in, in, in years doing this, you, you when you see a zone in a game, especially with the Utah Jazz when they've struggled shooting the basketball, usually it's a sneaky curveball from like an underachieving team that's yep. trying to beat the Jazz right. and they're going to say, okay, we're going to throw this wonky defense at you. You better shoot us out of it or we're going to play this all night. And, and in, in the past, it's given the Jazz fits. But this, this zone felt to me like the 30th ranked defense in the NBA yeah. saying like, hey, let's try something new, huh? Let's, and and you'll do it in the fourth quarter. For like two possessions when one guy is killing you. You'll be like, okay, Donovan Mitchell has scored three possessions in a row. We're going to confuse him with the zone. Let's go back to San Francisco. Mike Conley talking to the media. 
We were just playing with a, a, a better flow, a better rhythm. Um, we were getting up and down the floor a little bit easier than, than our last few games, and um, guys got some easier looks, which I think it made everybody a little bit more comfortable. Mike, different look, uh, different arena, different city. What was it like coming in? Of course, not having staff and yeah, baby and all those guys. What, was, what was it like? Obviously, it is different just because of you know you're not, you're not seeing the same trio of guys out there, but. Um, for sure, the the arena and, and you know San Francisco, all that is is amazing. Um, they did a great job with the you know with the way they set it up, and the fans are still the you know still some of the best fans out there. So it's it's, it's fun to to play in front of them. Seven guys scoring double figures, twenty nine assists. You're sharing the ball this way. Yeah, I, I still think we have a lot of room to improve, but I think uh, tonight was just a, a small example of what we can do when guys are, you know, looking for each other and making making the game easy for each other. Um, Rudy did phenomenal, uh, you know, screening and rolling, getting open looks in the in the post, and Don and you know Jeff, everybody else making plays for each other. Joe um, and Bogey didn't even shoot that well tonight, so I mean, like it was a it was a game that uh, you know if had he shot well, we would have probably done a little bit better. What do you take away from the defensive effort tonight? Uh, I thought we just we stay consistent. You know, we stay consistent. We, we had some you know lulls there where we let D'Angelo kind of go. You know, got into a rhythm and um, he's tough to guard when he gets going. So, but after we withstood that, I thought we did a good job of Eric. limiting the other players. How about your range? You're going to go back to 50 feet now. Is that what you're going? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And might be you might have to um, practice that from now on. How about the pick and roll with you and Rudy tonight? That one five punch was totally on. Yeah, yeah, we were working today. And, uh, you know, it was it was fun to, to see it start to, you know, um, have some good good plays at the end of it. But um, just the, the spacing and the timing and the rhythm, all that's starting to come together. You know, it, it might have taken a little bit longer than I, I wanted, but um, the more and more I play, I think the, the easier it's starting to get. What is the three-point shooting tonight for well, that's very important. You know, we're a team that, you know, you want to be able to shoot threes and make make threes at a high clip. Um, and we've got a lot of guys who can do it. And, and when we get that, that three ball falling, I think it, it allows us to have a lot more space offensively and um, driving lanes and getting to the rim and making plays. So it really makes the game hard on the other team. All right, that was Mike Conley. And tonight, Ben, uh, Mike had a very Mike Conley-like game. I mean, how many times has he done this in his career? 22 points on 6 of 11 shooting, 5 of 8 from 3, which obviously is lights out, 5 of 5 from the line. Uh, so added 7 assists to his 22 points and had no turnovers tonight in 31 minutes. Yeah, my, Mike Conley's here. So all the fear that there was about whether Mike Conley's game was going to show up or whether the Jazz made the wrong decision, no questions there anymore. Back down to San Francisco, we go Donovan Mitchell with the media. The paint, um, I think we moved the ball well. You know, I think it's, if we just continue to build on that, we'll be in good shape. Coach was preaching uh, shoot around today, Rudy, to get out and run. Yeah. Did you see a difference in that tonight? For sure. You know, running the floor, getting lobs, getting dunks, that's what that's what we know him for. You know, if he's able to just get out and run and get to the read spot, you know, that's when good things happen. Uh, we've been telling him that, and he's been doing it. Would you call you guys a victory all with over 25? Uh, I don't like just, you know, just saying, saying I think that's, that's up for you guys to say. I think 
thing for us is just continuing to do what we do. And on top of that, like I said, we still we've had we had three guys, you know, at 25, 23, and whatever points. But I think um, the biggest thing is like I look at it like Boyan hasn't didn't shot, shoot well. So like now imagine when he does, you know, imagine when when Joe does or Roy's. Like I mean, I think that's that's what we're really looking at. Like we had a good game tonight, but imagine, you know, when things are clicking for all of us. And I think that's that's what's really keeping us uh, keeping us moving because we have we have a way more to improve on the offensive end. But this nights like this, you you really get excited because you see what the potential we have. Playing against your childhood best friend tonight, the jersey swap at the end, what was that like for you? Man, that was incredible. You know, I think uh, talking a lot of trash, you know, I missed opportunities. I think we both missed shots on each other, um, but definitely talking a little bit and just being able to just compete against my, my brother. I think it's, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun and um, can't wait to do it again. You guys make 16 three-pointers tonight and you also attempt 32 free throws. Do you feel like those two things are good? Yeah, I think just being able to get the shots up, get, making them respected from three, and then also getting to the rim. We think got to the bonus in the first half pretty early, so just continuing to attack. And it starts with us guards getting in there and then obviously finding Big Fella Yama. I like it. Uh, I like it a lot. I think um, there's a lot of a lot of amenities in here that are really catered for the players. And then on top of that, just the, the vibe is, you know, it's always going to be great here in uh, San Francisco. I think that's what's special about this place. You know, the fans are always loud. And I think uh, it was it's a, it's a nice arena. I like it. D'Angelo had some hot moments. You guys have got another high scoring guard in Kyrie tomorrow. What do you think um, we're going to do? They're talented players. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. They're going to they're gonna make shots. But if we could just Standing, you know, Royce did an outstanding. Royce and Joe did an outstanding job on him. Um, obviously, he had 31, but we limited. He made his looks tough. You know, he hits. He's a good player. He's going to hit tough shots, and we got to be able to do the same thing tomorrow against uh, Kerry. Last couple seasons, you guys have had a lot of lineups with Rudy and Davis together. Mm-hmm. With him gone and the smaller lineup, what do you miss from that double big? And what do you? I think the you know, biggest thing, obviously, is the, the the rebounding is definitely huge. But I think being able to get out and transition, the space is a little bit different, um, for sure. I think that's one thing we're getting used to. But um, definitely rebounding, I say, is one thing we missed with, with Favo there and there, and just being able to run a little bit more. And what has Mike Conley meant to you? Um, he's been he's been huge. Yeah, he's been he's been huge for me. Just being able to listen and, and just find ways how you control the game, you know. And at the end of this game, you know, me just staying in the corner, just watching. You know, I think I have no problem with that. Just being able to try to take away and feel. I think we ran the same play four or five times over, and he made five different reads. And being able to take that from him, and I think it's and, and it's going to help me develop my game as well. If we can if we can get that, even that'd be it'd be special for sure. Rudy's an all-star caliber player, and I think he likes to like tonight. He showed it, and he's going to continue doing that. And he's got to be able to run the floor, and we'll find him. Thank you. That was Donovan Mitchell tonight. Donovan, 23 on 7 of 17 shooting, 5 of 9 from downtown. He also added 8 boards and 6 assists. Your final tonight, the Jazz beat the Warriors 122 to 108. Uh, Jake Scott, Ben Anderson with you. We'll continue to break this one down coming up next right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night postgame show brought to you by both Mark Miller Subaru locations. Your final tonight, the Jazz beat the Warriors 122 to 108. Let's take a look at your Master of the Glass tonight brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass, the local vehicle glass expert. Back for another great year of basketball. Proud to be the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah Jazz. Safe Light Auto Glass is also proud to present this year's Master of the Glass rebound program. At the end of the regular season, uh, the Safe Light will donate $5 for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader with all proceeds going to benefit 
the neighborhood house. Not surprisingly, Rudy Gobert, your master of the glass tonight, 14 rebounds, 12 defensive, two offensive rebounds. The Jazz uh, with 38 total rebounds tonight, out-rebounded uh, the Warriors 38-36. to 36. Uh, The Jazz only had five offensive rebounds, uh, Ben. The Warriors had eight. This gets to uh, something we chatted about with Locke. Uh, the Jazz offensive rebound numbers, and specifically for Rudy, uh, are way down this year, and I wonder if that's kind of a schematic thing where they're putting less emphasis on it, or if that is, uh, you know, Derek Favors not being in the lineup. Some of it could be Favors. I certainly believe that, that now if there's two bodies down low, they can both focus on Rudy. If you didn't focus on Derek Favors, he'd kill you on the offensive glass last year, too. I also wonder this. This is my theory. Because the Jazz are smaller, and because we knew one of the big narratives for the Jazz before the season started was that Gobert was going to have to be even better defensively, I wonder if Quinn Snyder says you have a shorter time now to try and go after that offensive board because if you don't get back we don't have go or we don't have favors back there now to you know to, to have two big uh, towers down there down low you're kind of our only guy so if it's not obvious turn around and run the other right. direction just don't fight for it because it's better for you to be back on the defensive side of the ball and that is certainly the you know the cultural aspect and the uh, the the strategic approach well the nerds uh, say that offensive rebounds are not as important as maybe some yeah. others and and the yeah. jazz tend to get a little nerdy with this with the stats from time to time. And as, I, as nerdy as anyone in the league. It wouldn't surprise me uh, if you're 100% correct to say if it's not there, make sure you get yourself back down the floor because yeah. you're really that in, important uh, defensively. And actually, not to to rewind a couple of games, but I thought uh, that was no more evident than against the, the Milwaukee Bucks the other night where in the second half, really, and, and specifically the fourth quarter, it was Rudy Gobert who drew Giannis uh, and that defensive assignment, and, and he was terrific more in the fourth quarter than the third. But uh, it really... Rudy's just so critical to what the Jazz do, uh, do defensively. I think you make a terrific point. And and th- this team is starting to come together. We we were talking before Donovan Mitchell jumped on uh, about how good Mike Conley was tonight. Mike Conley's been good for five games. I mean, it's not like yeah. he had this one spike. His five games before tonight, going into the game, he was averaging – let me see if I can pull up these numbers really quick. Uh, Conley was shooting 43% from the three-point line. And now he's up that. He's made 19 of his last 39 three-point shots. So he's shooting 48% over the last six games. I mean, that's that's very, very high-level basketball. He was averaging 18 points, three assists, and three rebounds over his last five games before tonight. And then he eclipsed all those numbers except for the rebounds. So he added 22 points and seven, uh, seven assists tonight. It was, again, 6 of 11 from the floor, 5 of 8 from the three-point line. I mean, those are those are crazy numbers. That's he, He's got to be up over 19 points a game now over his last six games. We're not waiting for Mike Conley to get here anymore. I mean, he's here. He had a bad first four games. That was it. Well, and actually, if you if you look at his last five and you take out the Clipper game, which was was awful. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, those numbers are even better. He had 19 against Sacramento, 15 against Philly, 20 against Milwaukee, and then 22 tonight. So, yeah, he's here. That's all you need. And that, that's all you need from him. And, and one of the things we talked about, Jake, in the pregame show was Donovan's bad nights because we were talking about he was bad against Philly and he was 8 of 22 for whatever it was 20 points or okay that's not a great night but it's not a terrible night I mean there's a lot of guys that'll be their best night of the NBA season because they scored 20 points Donovan tonight was not great but he was 7 of 17 for 23 points and had the highest plus minus of anyone in the game he was plus 17 when he was on the floor so even his like so-so nights are now fabulous and that is that's 
the sign of a superstar. That's not just young, good player who has good nights. That's His average nights are what used to be great nights as rookie season, and he just does it every single time he steps on the floor. Well, and the timing uh, of it is pretty interesting because when the, the game in the first half, when they were trying to pull away and make that lead is when he was terrific. And in the second half, you know, when it, it was a little bit more loosey-goosey, maybe he let others uh, get involved a little bit more. But really, he was red hot in that second quarter. And, and really, after that second quarter, this game was not that much in doubt. Uh, 122 to 108 is your final. Uh, Jake Scott, Ben Anderson with you. Let's take a look at your three-point takeover sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union, helping members achieve their financial dreams for more than 80 years. Tonight, the Jazz were terrific from three. 16 of 35, 45.7%. Led by Mike Conley, who was five of eight tonight from three. Donovan Mitchell was five of nine. Uh, Bogdanovich, who struggled a little bit shooting tonight, still two of six. Jeff Green, two of six coming in off the bench. Joe Ingles, one of five, uh, Emmanuel Moutier, one of one. And and Moutier's was great. It was a contested three from the corner. If he can knock down that corner three consistently uh, as the blender gets going and, and he gets off the ball a little bit, I mean, that's going to make that guy even better. I, I liked his game tonight. It was not spectacular, but it, it was good enough. I mean, four or five. I mean, if you can go four good. or five, you'll take four or five every night. Yeah, he's not going to shoot 80% for the season. But... Yeah, 11-4, one assist. He didn't quite have that you know, drive and kick game going tonight because they tried to take it away. The Warriors did, especially against Moutier. But, man, if you're a positive in the plus-minus off the bench, that's good enough. Yep. I mean, you never go broke making a profit, as they say. And if he's plus two... If he could be plus two every time he steps on the floor, the Jazz would be doing backflips about Emmanuel Moutier because he's been the exact opposite of that his entire career. His lineups that he's been have traditionally been awful. And clearly the Jazz saw that and said, there's some noise there right. that's worth taking advantage of because we can sign Emmanuel Moutier for pennies and think they can get something out of him. And I think for the season so far they have. He's been good. It's kind of a cliche question, but if you look at, say, the biggest surprise from a positive standpoint for the Utah Jazz, maybe it's maybe it's Bogdanovich being that complete player. That certainly is an acceptable answer. But mine might be Moutier and how well yeah. he's fitting and how well he's playing. The Jazz have yet to have a true black eye anywhere on this roster through 10 games. And the, 10 games is a decent sample size. Yeah. That's, you know, it's 14, 15% of the season almost, I guess, now at this point. So... You just haven't found that one thing. There, there were stretches where the rebounding was bad, and there was a stretch early in the season when the turnovers were bad, and the preseason, the defense was bad. And there's just not something that Jake, you and I talk about every single night that says, oof, reared its ugly head again. We, we just haven't seen it. And that's, no. that's a really good thing. That, that, that's a pretty complete team. That's a team that, that, that does a lot well and certainly does way more well and they do poorly. And that's that, that's got to be fun to be a Jazz fan right now to watch that. Well, I think it's a good sign that when one of those issues has kind of come around, I mean, you, you know, they missed the one rebound against, uh, against the Kings, and then they just get uh, decimated on the offensive glass by the Clippers. But but then they have two practices, I want to say, Ben, and that issue is, is pretty much buttoned up. I mean, not that it won't come back this year at some point, but I, I think, you know, a team that can recognize an issue and address it, whereas in, in previous Jazz versions there were some certain vulnerabilities that were never going to be fixed. Now, maybe you could game plan the offense, uh, getting around some of those things, but it was it was always going to be an issue. Uh, I think you make a really good point that, uh, that the issues that we've seen so far have kind of been one-off things that have been fixed outside of Mike Conley taking his time coming around, but... Uh, we all knew that Man, was going was to happen. Four games. Yeah. You know, like, taking his time coming around. Like, what were your first two weeks at work like? Great point. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he's the Everybody, new guy. Yeah, he's the new guy. It's my first day. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. Uh, 
can we give one more shout out for our uh, in the starting lineup here for the Jazz? Royce O'Neal's line is crazy. It's a crazy thing to play 28 minutes, take one shot. He was plus 13 on the night. He had four assists and four rebounds. I mean, that I, I, I love in every start. Now, if you can have five players that are great offensive players, amazing. Take it. I love in a five-man unit if you have one guy who doesn't care if he shoots the ball. I love a guy who says, I don't need my shots to continue to play well in the starting lineup. And that's exactly what Royce O'Neal is doing. He got one shot earlier this season. He had a game where he took zero shots. I think he had another one the other night where he took two shots. If they're not there, he's not going to say, well, it's my turn. Because he gets the ball. He touches the ball on 30% of the Jazz offensive possessions when he's in there. And he just says, you know what? My job is to catch it and move it to the corner. Or catch it and pass it back to Donovan Mitchell. My job is not to create. I don't need to try and be LeBron James offensively. I need to play defense. I need to grab rebounds. I need to get assists. And four assists, I bet you that's a season high. Just uh, That would be my guess would be a season high for him. But plus 13 minutes, or plus 13 in the 28 minutes he was on the floor, and all he's doing is chasing around the best offensive player on the other side of the ball. That's not fun. That's <laughs> no, really not a fun no. way to play basketball, but he does it, and he does it every night. That's, that's awesome. Those, well, I, that's a really cool stat line. And uh, to go from guarding Giannis one night, where, by the way, he held him to two points in the first half, which is... I don't think it's ever happened. Oh, no, uh, it happened to Giannis once in his rookie year, but it certainly doesn't happen regularly to go from that to guarding D'Angelo Russell, who he chased around all night tonight. I mean, the versatility of him defensively is so useful. Do you remember Shabazz Muhammad? I do. Went to UCLA, went and played for the Timberwolves. I can't even drafted remember. Drafted by the Jazz up. and traded. Yeah, drafted. That's right, in the Trey Burke trade. Yep. Uh, they used to have a thing called Shabazzing, and that was when you had only, your only stat line that you recorded on the night was points. Where you didn't grab a rebound and you didn't grab assist or a steal or a block. It was Shabazzing, which is all you had was points because that's the only thing you thought of when you got onto the floor. It was named after Shabazz Muhammad. That's incredible. It's the exact opposite of Royce O'Neal. Right. And I love you love that about Royce O'Neal because you you have to know that Quinn and Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck pull up the box scores at the end of every night, and they do. I mean, they are they are looking at the numbers and they see Royce O'Neal in twenty eight minutes took one shot and was a huge positive when he was on the floor. It's just got to make him thrilled. All right, 122 to 108 is your final coming up on the other side. We'll put a bow on this one, get some final thoughts from Ben Anderson, and we'll look forward to tomorrow night's game when the Brooklyn Nets are in town. Don't look now, Ben, but that's not too far from right now. So. Well, if we're on for long enough, it's not tomorrow night anymore. Good it's point. tonight. Oh, boy. <laughs> tonight, the Jazz are playing the Nets. Man, that's the best part of this job. When you look up and it's after midnight and you realize, you know what? we got to do this tomorrow. Yep. Excited about it. All right, 122 to 108 is your final while. More next on the Jazz uh, Radio Network. Game night post game show right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson with you. Post game brought to you by both Mark Miller Subaru locations. Jazz winners uh, over the Golden State Warriors tonight, 122 to 108. The Jazz now move to 7 and 3 on this young season. Golden State falls to 2 and 9. Ben, Golden State with uh, tied, I guess, for the worst record in the NBA. And I think we got a first hand glimpse as to why this is going to be a tough year for this team. It's the reason I don't think Steph or Clay will be back. We did see Draymond Green, obviously, tonight. But Okay, how many games does Draymond Green play this year? 50? Does he play that many? 
because it's going to get it's going to get ugly. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. I mean, at what point do they just shut him down because you're not even trying to win? So I'm sure I, I he's would got say, wear and tear. I mean, he's not a big person. No, and he's gone up. He's played a hundred games a year for five straight years. The average team is playing eighty-six. You know, eighty-two plus four playoff games, maybe, maybe ninety, and they're playing a hundred plus every single year for five straight years. That's a ton of wear and tear. You can find a reason to keep a guy out of a game. Nagging injuries, hamstrings, thumbs, whatever. I. I I don't know. 50? What do you say? I'd say fewer than probably. Okay. I'm with you. I think I think they're going to go under 50. Well, and I mean, it's a top 20 protected pick, but they want to get as, as good a pick as they possibly can and add another player who's on a rookie salary, which is probably the most important part of this conversation, a, a, an affordable player that you can uh, put next to those guys. So I even wonder if Steve Kerr, you know, says, you know what, the back's hurting a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and step aside as well because it's just going to be one of those years for, for Golden State. I mean, I, we've seen some of the quote-unquote, or I guess teams we expected to be at the bottom of the league, the Kings, the Suns, and I, I realize the Suns are, are in the playoff picture right now are playing pretty well. But this Golden State team was the worst team we've seen so far this year. Uh, and, and this is, you know, we, we've seen some years when the Jazz handed the keys over to the young players, and I, I would imagine at some point we will see that maybe with like the Oklahoma City Thunder who have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's a star. They're going to do that. Or yeah. you, you've actually already seen it with the Pelicans, and they will continue to do it even more. They, they don't even play Derek Favors that much. Hardly at all. And when, when Zion plays, it might be even fewer minutes that we see from, from, from Derek. They, they, sometimes you just hand the, the keys over to the young players and you say, go develop and, and go figure out what you have to do. You're not developing any of these guys. Yeah, I don't, I'm players. not trying to be mean, but like <laughs> J- Jordan Poole, it, you're not waiting for him to develop into a guy who's going to lead an all-star team. The Jazz, after 10 games, Donovan Mitchell's rookie season, they said, this kid's special. We're going to change it. We're going to change what we're doing. And I mean, to the point where Rodney Hood recognized, hey, my role is totally different. I should find somewhere else I want to play in the NBA. The Jazz just started building that roster completely different as soon as Donovan took off. Maybe Eric Pascal, who's Donovan Mitchell's friend on the Warriors, maybe that's a guy who you say can be a rotation player, but they just don't have that guy who's worth giving 22 shots a night to just to say, how good can you be? I think we know how good some of their players can be, and it's not a pretty sight. No, in fact, I, I'm just looking down the roster right now. I mean, Pascal is about, I mean, that's it. I mean, is Marquise Chris part of what Golden State's no. doing in the future? I mean, there's no, no. way. I mean, uh, they Damian were, Lee, no. I mean. They had a bunch of Band-Aids that they had to throw on this team and just couldn't do anything about Glenn, it. Glenn Robinson the third. What did I mean, Pascal end up with tonight? Uh, you know what? It, uh, let's see here. Four of ten, he had eight points, so not not the best night for hey, Pascal. He was a positive. He's the only player on their team that was a positive in the plus minus. How about that? Hey, he's got an NBA build. I mean, he's, yeah, he's an NBA player. He's an NBA yeah. player for sure. He's just, uh, I mean. You saw Donovan Mitchell in the first part of his rookie season. You say, all right, well, you can build around that guy. Yeah. And and the fact that he was complimentary to Rudy Gobert as opposed to you know duplication where he's taken away from what Rudy did, I mean, it just made it a no-brainer. And, in fact, the, the magic of that team two years ago was that all the veterans got out of the way. How often does that happen in the NBA, right. regardless of how good a, a rookie is? How often do the veterans go, geez, well— we need somebody who's going to take 20 shots a night. Rook, here you go. Right. I mean, that, that absolutely never happens. But, I mean, there's nobody on this this Warriors team that you're looking and saying, okay, go go shoot 20 shots. Well, other than D'Angelo Russell. Right. And and he's not part of the future plan. <laughs> that certainly doesn't sound like that's the idea. They, you, they got him to flip him. Right. Which was smart. If you're going to lose Kevin Durant, might as well get something. And if you can trade D'Angelo Russell for a first round, I mean, anything is good. 
as long as you're not taking on long contracts, anything you get back for D'Angelo Russell is a good thing. And if you can get multiple first round picks and accelerate this, not rebuild, but restructuring, yeah. that's, that's a great thing. You also have to make sure you can do it. That's right. You better yeah. be able to do it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Nets, Ben. Then I want to uh, preview what you're working on for for KSL Sports. But of course, Brooklyn going to be in town tomorrow night. Kyrie Irving averaging 30 points per game uh, this year, Ben, and he's shooting over 50 percent on his effective field goal percentage, which is uh, which is really really good. However, the Nets are only four and five, yeah. so he's he's red hot. But the team is is below 500. They have not quite found their stride. I like the idea of Kyrie and then a bunch of long ball handlers all around him that can attack the rim, and that's Karis LeVert, and that's Spencer Dinwiddie, and then you throw in a couple of shooters. Uh, I don't think Jared Allen has taken the next step the way a lot of people expected. You used to see him all over SportsCenter because he blocked everything. Right. He hasn't taken the next step, and actually he's kind of had that stunted a little bit because DeAndre Jordan was there, but you might have not gotten Kevin Durant unless you also signed DeAndre Jordan, so... I hope sorry, that's the reason because sorry, nothing, Jared else, Allen. nothing else made sense. Because we'll take Kevin Durant. If we if we have to take DeAndre Jordan to get Kevin, we'll, we'll do it. To We're get KD, it. sorry, Jarrett, we'll trade you. You know, if we have to, if, to find you a better spot, but they, they just haven't quite gelled, but they're really dangerous because, as we mentioned, Lavert can really get it going. Dinwiddie's been uh, not great this year. Maybe he was wanting to invest his money into that digital token or whatever he wanted instead. Oh, yeah, that's he wanted right. to convert his contract into an investment plan for other people. I honestly don't even. I couldn't. I, I didn't read the words and I couldn't figure out what they were saying. <laughs> Because I'm not a, a financier. Smarter than me. Yeah. I, I guess so. I well, the it. league said no, so maybe maybe not. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so th- they're dangerous. Second night of a back-to-back, very dangerous. Kyrie can get hot. The Jazz are better than the Nets. The Jazz are better than most teams in the NBA. And by most, I mean 26 other teams. Right. I mean, the Jazz are a top-five team in the league. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And they're certainly playing like it right now. You know, one thing, and we're going to have to wait a little bit before we get this complete answer on the Nets, but it, the the real simple logic, and you can apply this to the Clippers this year as well, right, is is you had these overachieving teams with the Nets and with the Clippers who, who got there by, you know, good coaching, uh, a good system that got more out of their players than, than it probably deserved. And you think to yourself, okay, with the Clippers and the Nets, you throw two superstars onto a team like that, and the sky's the limit, right? Because you still have those role players that are that are good players and the foundation is there and then you plug in these superstars and it, it should work great. And I think we'll see it work out with the Clippers just based on style of play. That's that's just kind of what I think. But I think the Nets are, are a lot more up in the air. And we'll have to wait to see what happens when Kevin Durant gets back. But with, with Kyrie Irving, we saw him plugged into a similar situation with Boston where you had all these young players and you looked at Boston on paper last year and you said, bam, Eastern Conference champion. Look at that. Kyrie's going to lead it all the way and then the fit was just not there Ben I mean the chemistry you can talk about it off the floor on the floor it just didn't work I thought Brad Stevens didn't do a very good job about making that work because that's the head coach's number one job after all and I just wonder with this Nets team I wonder what the attitude's going to be towards Kyrie Irving who is being Kyrie Irving but that's certainly not how the Nets played all year last year and by the way had nice success doing it. Kem has been great in Boston how different, and we already looked differently upon him, but how much different would we, how differently would we view Kyrie if he didn't happen to spend, what was it, three years with LeBron in right. Cleveland? What would his reputation be around the league? Because he's, he's kind of thought of as a superstar. 
and a future Hall of Famer. He's got a huge shot in the finals. He's got a championship ring. He's going to make 10 All-Star games in his career. He scores 20 points a game. He thinks the second leading scorer right now in the league, if I'm, if I'm not wrong. But if he didn't have that ring and was on his third team in six years now, whatever that is, he hasn't been in the league that long. Nope. His reputation would be a lot. He'd be a lot closer to D'Angelo Russell than I think he is where we have him right now. And that's the magic of playing with LeBron James. Well, the Cleveland was terrible before terrible. LeBron came back. I mean, yeah. terrible. Anthony Bennett, remember that yep. that whole fiasco? And then really underachieved with Boston. There, there's no other way to put it. No, they were bad uh, last year. And really bad last year. A lot of that's year. on Kyrie because he's he's just not he's not a leader. He's not a, a great locker. He's not. Guy, so. Uh, I mean, I, there's that anecdote that that's out there, and I'll probably butcher this about when they were practicing in Cleveland, and uh, the coach asked uh, Kyrie to to work some play where he was setting up his teammate. And he said that's number 23's job. I mean, that's just kind of kind of Kyrie Irving right there was like, well, that's not my job to set anybody up. That's LeBron, so just let me know when you need me to score. Yeah, and and he's a weird guy, right? He's he's kind of a quirky dude. I I think that flat earther stuff was all a, a big prank or a big joke or whatever. But that's just kind of he's he's just not your normal fall in line type of dude. And then you combine that with Kevin Durant, who's got paper thin skin. Yeah, and who has a little bit of a of a abnormal kind of personality I don't that sounds really negative I'm not making I'm not trying to make it sound negative but he's just he's not a normal dude right he's 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 a guy making up burner accounts to to make comments online which is strangely important to him but I wonder how that's going to work next year it'll be feast or famine they're either going to win a championship next year or the team's going to blow up in two seasons and they'll be trading pieces away I just it's, I love the NBA. It's got to be all or nothing. But that's the NBA now. Yeah. I mean, if it doesn't work quick, we You're rip out. the Band-Aid off and we switch it around. We change it. We amputate the leg. We don't rip the Band-Aid off. We cut the whole leg off. You know, that that is how they change things now in the well, league. Well, isn't that exactly what DeMar De, or uh, the Raptors did with DeMar DeRozan? Absolutely. Where they said, hey, this is limited. This guy uh, he can't shoot the three as prolifically. I butchered Prolifically, that yeah. Thank you. As uh, as he needs to, and, and we're going to get possibly the Eastern Conference Finals, but we're not going to get any further, so let's do this. Let's trade the fa- franchise player for a guy who's who's not guaranteed in the slightest to stay here, who will just bend over backwards to make happy, and hopefully we can win as much as we want along the way, and boom, they got a title. They got a title. What a change, swapping one best player for another. I mean, it, it takes a lot of guts to do that. But it, it paid off, I guess, for Toronto. Well, no, I guess. They got a title out of it. We'll see how good they are this year. But I it, think all 30 teams in the league would have done it. Would you trade your best player today, regardless of who it is, for a championship next year? 100%. Most, right? Most teams would do it. Unless you have LeBron, unless you have Kevin Durant, I don't know who wouldn't do it. And, and now the Clippers. But that's the thing is, Kawhi's the best player in the NBA, probably. The, right. So who are they going to trade him for? Mm. I just... I. It's tough. That's a gamble, but the Raptors matter now. The Raptors are forever relevant because they they won that championship. True. Good for them. And he will be forever toasted yep. up in Toronto for that one year if, he spent. If, if he ever goes back. That's a good point. Yeah. Load management. Why would Never he? Never spend a minute in Toronto the rest of my life. Long road trip. Why would you go? You know, Ennis Cancer can't go to uh, to Canada. There's a couple know. guys who can't go up there. Yeah. All right, uh, Ben, what are you working on for KSL Sports tonight? Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert find their rhythm tonight. It's actually just posted at kslsports.com. How about this? In a uh, six-minute stretch, Mike Conley found Rudy Gobert for three dunks in the third quarter. Six minutes. That's great. That's uh, This is an offense that was already starting to figure it out because of Boyan and because of uh, Donovan Mitchell and, and his greatness. If Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert figure it out, 
the same way that it seemed like for stretches last year, that pick and roll with Gobert was just frustrating to every other team in the league. If that becomes a two-man game that works, and then you have Boyan, and then you have Donovan scoring 20 a game, this offense is going to take off. We all, I think, can see the potential. It's just about clicking. And tonight, against the worst defense in the league, it really clicked, uh, except for Bogdanovich, who, who struggled a little bit. But And it didn't matter at all. Nope, it certainly did not. All right, the Jazz led tonight. Rudy Gobert, 25 points on 11-12 shooting to go along with 14 rebounds, two block shots. Uh, Mike Conley with 22 points tonight. Donovan Mitchell with 23. Jeff Green with 12 coming in off the bench. Joe Ingles with 11. And Emmanuel Moutier with 11 coming in off the bench as well. We want to say a big thanks to David Locke and Ron Boone. Fine work tonight. Thanks to our broadcast assistants that helped out. Thanks to Adrian Leiser, executive producer of Jazz Game Night. Fine work as usual, Adrian. Ben, thank you, my friend. I'll uh, I'll see you tomorrow. You're going to be with me tomorrow as well. See you tonight. Tonight (laughs) it is 12.07. Good point. We are past the witching hour. Tonight, the Jazz will take on the Brooklyn Nets. Tip-off will be at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6. And, of course, you'll hear it all right here on the Jazz Radio Network.